Uh, Take your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 18 through 22 together. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 22. need that tonight. Exodus chapter 20 verses 18 through 22. Let's read this passage responsively. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings. Exodus chapter 20 verse number 18. That's okay. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking and the people saw it and they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us And we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And let's finish on verse 22 together. Ready? And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your power tonight. Help me to communicate the truth that you've given to me to give to your people. Lord, I I long for people to love you. I long for people to know you. I long for people to... Uh, love each other as you want us to love each other. Use this truth tonight to help us, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Exodus chapter 20, <clears throat> believe it or not, uh, I was meditating on this recently. Exodus chapter 20 is probably the most known and the most portion, uh, most used portion of the entire Bible. You say Exodus chapter 20? Yeah, because if you go back into Exodus chapter 20, it talks about 10 commandments. Those are used around our country and have been for hundreds of years. They're in courthouses and state houses and used to be in our schools, not anymore. Uh, and they've been used over and over and over. And Exodus chapter 20 is a very known and used uh, piece of the Bible. It gives the civil law for the, for the Hebrews in the wilderness. Now, it is the equivalent to our Constitution. These commandments, listen to this statement, the Ten Commandments never had anything to do with spirituality. They never had anything to do with going to heaven. These Ten Commandments were ten laws. That's why our forefathers said, let's post them in the courthouse. It was civil law. And if we would follow those ten simple laws, it would be amazing what would happen in America or any other country. Uh, These were simply commands for people to live in order to have a society that God could bless. Now, God has given them to Moses. He's had them on the tables of stone that God took his own finger and wrote. And by the way, I won't take time to develop this. Someday I will. I believe there was more than 10 statements written on those 10 tables or on those two tables of stone. I believe the blueprints for the tabernacle and the things that were in Exodus and Leviticus 
are also given, and they were written with the finger of God. It doesn't take God 40 days to write with his finger in stone 10 statements. It also talks about the pattern that God showed Moses in the mount that he gave Moses. He gave him blueprints. He gave him the actual blueprints to the tabernacle, and Moses got to see the one in heaven, according to the book of Hebrews. And I believe that those two tables of stone were far more than just ten statements. All right, Hollywood has made it to where carrying two giant stones and it's got five statements on each one of them. I don't think that's it. Now, again, don't believe Hollywood, all right? Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. God was only going to speak through the leader. God sends a very large, dark cloud over the mountain. The Bible talks about that it was full of thunder and lightning, one of those big thunder boomers, amen? Not like we get around here, but I'm talking about a good old-fashioned Midwest storm. If you've never seen a good old-fashioned Midwest storm, you've missed life. When you can see them, those, those dark clouds coming off the plains and they got a flat bottom to them and they go up about 50,000, 60,000 feet and you, say, and you just see it boiling in there. And you say, oh, this is going to be a good one. My wife and I were driving to Minnesota one time. We happened to be going right through center of Indiana to get there. We got stuck in one of those thunderbooms. I told her, I said, this is not good. It's one of those where it's really dark outside and then it turns green. And it's 95 degrees and it, all of a sudden it's 65 degrees. And you say, uh-oh. And I looked at her and said, this is not going to be good. And I have, one do- I have one child, my daughter, who was scared to death of storms. Daddy, daddy. I said, it's going to be fine. Well, that old van, we were traveling up the road, up 65, and everything starts a-rocking and a-shaking, and the rain's blowing. And I, <clears throat> I'm not kidding. I looked up, and I, I looked at my wife and said, <clears throat> look in your mirror. And she leans over and looks in the mirror and goes like this. There's a tornado going across the road behind us. We had just passed through, and it wasn't a quarter mile behind us. We're watching that thing go go across the, the my door. Is there a tornado? No, everything's fine, sweetie. And as I'm going, get a little farther down the road. <laughs> it was exciting, let me tell you. Oh, those kinds of storms. I imagine that was similar to what they were seeing and, and dealing with. God sends that cloud over and Moses goes up the mountain into that dark cloud. Forty days later, he comes back and he has the tables of stone from God written with the finger of God. Can you imagine if you've never been to the National Archives building, I suggest you go there one time. You see the original documents of the the United States of America, the Constitution as it was handwritten, the original copy that was signed. There's just something about it that just kind of moves you. You see some of the other documents, the, the Magna Carta is there, the Articles of Confederation are there, and others. And these were handwritten documents. Back when America had handwritten things and it wasn't all typed. Forty days later, Moses comes back and he reads these laws to the people. But I want you to notice something. God leaves the dark cloud over the mountain with the thunder 
and the lightning. After hearing these ten laws, the people agree to live by them, but then, maybe, I think one of the saddest statements in the entire Bible. Look at the Bible with me again. Look at verse number 19. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. How sad. They said, Moses, you can tell us what God says, but we don't want to, we don't want to go up there and hear what God has to say. Uh, we're a little too afraid of those storm clouds up there, and we don't want to be inconvenienced to, to go into that, that darkness. And I look at verse 22, and the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. What a shame. They would let somebody else go talk to God for them when they could have t- talked to God from heaven. Whew. Moses, you go do it, but we don't want to talk to God. To me, that's a very sad statement. They were afraid of the storm clouds. They were afraid of the thunder and lightning. They were more afraid of a storm than they were to take time to spend time with God and hear his voice. Brother Jim, that saddens me. I told the Lord this morning, I said, Lord, if I knew you would be somewhere in this world to speak today, I'd take a loan out, I'd get on a plane and fly anywhere in the world just to hear you talk. I would sacrifice whatever it took just to hear him speak one time. I believe that. And yet, the entire Hebrew race said, oh, we don't want to talk to him. We're afraid of those dark clouds. I don't want to go into a dark cloud to talk to God. Please listen for a moment. I find it almost silly, the excuses people give not to spend time with God. These Hebrew used dark storm clouds. People today say, well, I have to work. I've got to make money. Oh, money's more important to you than spending time with God. I, I, we have sports and my kids have sports and uh, I think it's a sin, a shame, and a crime for public schools and the public to have sports on Sundays. I'm going to go a step farther. I think it's a crime to have professional sports on Sundays. Ouch. Well, what would I do on Sunday, preacher? Go to church. Uh, well, I know athletes and they're, they're good Christians. If they're missing church, they're not that good a Christian. God said, not forsaking the assembly of, of themselves together as men or some is. Uh, people think camping's more important than uh, going, to, going to spend time with God or boating, vacation, family time. Well, I just need some me time. The height of selfishness. 
I could go on and on and on and on and on about the excuses. Well, I got a hangnail. Uh, my, 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 my puppy dog might miss me or my kitty cat might miss me. That's what they're called animals for. Throw them in a box and come back. They'll be there when you come back. Amen. Cage, not a box. If it's a cat, throw the whole thing in the river and let it go. Amen. But anyway, uh, man has his own religions and we let preachers, priests, cardinals, popes, and saints, and even Mary to do the talking to God for them. God's not interested in them. He's interested in time with you. May I say something? You don't have to be afraid of God. You really don't. You can talk to him. I will say this. You might have to go into the dark cloud. But Brother Jim, he'll be in that cloud with you. Uh, you see, I don't know. I've, I've done a good bit of flying. Have you ever taken off in an airplane and it's raining and foggy and just nasty out? And all of a sudden you're flying through and you hit the cloud deck and the plane starts going as you're going up. And I'm watching first time flyers or infrequent flyers and they're going like this. Say, preacher, what are you doing? I'm just working. I was sitting beside a lady one time and everything's a shaking and we're going through some, some clouds. And she said, sir, you're not nervous. I said, no, ma'am. She said, why? I said, give it about seven to 10 seconds. She said, what do you mean? I said, just look out your window and count to 10 slowly. Sure enough, she hit about eight, nine. We started peeking up through that cloud. And as soon as you got through that cloud deck, it was bright and sunny on top. She said, wow. I said, the clouds don't go all the way up. We're going over them. It gets a little bumpy going through them, but once you get on top, everything's bright and clear up here. She said, that's pretty neat. I said, you got nothing to worry about. She said, yeah, but did you see those wings doing that? I said, yeah, but you better be glad those wings are doing that because if they weren't doing that, you'd be going, Dow. oh. Can I tell you something? Most Christians are kind of like the, the lion on the Wizard of Oz. You have no courage. You're too afraid to, and I'm not going to go see the wizard, but uh, you're too afraid to go see God. You remember in the Wizard of Oz, all the, the, the big noise and all the flashing and the smoke and everything else, and you had this scrawny little weirdo guy. And they said, oh, we didn't have anything to be afraid of. No. Can I tell you something? You don't have anything to be afraid of when you know it's God. Amen. Nothing at all. Let me give you a few thoughts tonight. Number one, you can't get somebody else to meet with God for you. You can't get someone else to meet with God for you. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us. And we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And please listen to me very carefully. I love being your pastor. It's a humbling term. Scott and Jackie joined this morning, and Scott's 
leaving this morning, and I, I knew the depth of this. He said, I love you, preacher. <laughs> Scott, my knees got weak. That's a humbling statement to me. When a, when a man is willing to say something like that to another man, that's, that's an honor. And it's humbling for me. I don't take it lightly, but I can't walk with God for you. I can go to God and get what you need and do what I can here, but you have to walk with God for you. If your only spirituality is what you get from here, may I say something, you're cheating yourself out of real spirituality. Now, part of being spiritual is being at church. I get that. But don't let this be your only spirituality. Does that make sense? Uh, <laughs> uncle Bud Robinson, he was not my uncle. It was a preacher from back in the 40s. And he kind of talked with a stutter and a lisp. He was sick and in the hospital. They had him in the Catholic hospital. And the nuns came and said, uh, the priest is here. Do you want to talk to the priest? He said, sure. Well, he was a Baptist preacher. The old priest walked in. He, he said, what do you want me to tell God for you? He said, come down here close. He got down in his ear and he said, I'm saved. I got the Holy Spirit of God inside of me and I don't need you to talk to God for me. He said, who told you that? He said, I read it in the Bible. He said, you're not supposed to read the Bible. It's kind of like I'm the milkman and I'm the one that delivers the milk to you. <laughs> he looked at the Catholic priest. He said, Holy Father, I got my own cow now. <laughs> Can I tell you something? You got all the milk that you need right there. You got your own cow. He'll give you more than you can, you can handle, I promise you. Uh, that's the same with God. You see, you need to face God for yourself. He made you to fellowship with you. Turn to Revelation chapter 4. It's the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 4. Look at verse number 11. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Watch this. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. If you're a created being, which you are, you were created for the pleasure of God. When's the last time you gave God some pleasure and gave him you? I reared three kids. Did you know you can't walk with God for your kids? You can't. Sometimes it breaks your heart when they make bad decisions. Of course it does. <laughs> but can I tell you something? You can't walk with God for them. They face God for themselves. When we all get to heaven, parents aren't going to stand before God for how their kids act. Your kids are going to stand for, before God for their life. So you better teach them to follow God more than even yourself. Please don't take this the wrong way. Your kids aren't good kids just because they obey you. They need to learn how to follow all authority. That's why it's good to teach them all authority, not just your authority. That's why you shouldn't 
trash talk authority to your kids, you're destroying your own leadership. (laughs) I've used this story over and over. You'll probably be there before I get there. First job I got, my dad showed up. I was working at a pizza restaurant. Had a little Greek guy with a curly hair and a little mustache. He literally lived in a closet at the restaurant. Slept on a cot. The man would eat an anchovy pizza at midnight. No wonder he lived by himself in a closet. I'm not kidding. Nothing but anchovies and sauce and cheese on a pizza at midnight. I'm thinking, how can you lay down after that? Some salty little fish swimming on top of a pizza is not good, amen? Feels like they got fur on them, they're so salty, amen? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. My dad showed up there one night, shortly after I got my job, and he looked at the feller that owned the store, and he said, he told him who he was. He said, oh, your son's working for me. He said, yep. He said, is he working hard? He said, yes, he is. He said, good, if he's not firing him. I said, oh, dad, shut up. Please shut up. Uh, he said, if he doesn't work, you, you make sure you fire him. I thought, man, second job I got. What do you think he told my boss? Same stupid thing. I remember I took him on a tour of the shop when I was working in Bible college. He met up with Stuart McMillan, the owner of the company. He said, my son working for you? He said, oh, yeah, he's one of my best workers. He said, good, if not, fire him. <laughs> Stuart's about six foot ten, weighs about 360 pounds, giant of a guy. Stuart said, I like your dad. I'm thinking, I hope you don't like him too much right now. I quit taking him to where I work. (laughs) Now I'm the boss and he can't fire me. Amen? But anyhow, uh, now listen to me very carefully here. You can't walk with God for your kids. They'll answer to God for themselves. That's why you need to teach children early in life to read their Bible and talk with God on their own, not just at family time. I'm not against family devotions. But if the only time a kid prays or reads his Bible is when mommy and daddy's around, guess what's going to happen when mommy and daddy aren't there? They're not going to read their Bible or pray. God's God whether mommy and daddy are there or not. Boys and girls are supposed to walk with God. Look at 1 Samuel chapter uh, 2 and 3 and 4. Talks about a young boy named Samuel, barely weaned, four, five, six years old, and God talked to Samuel. The Bible says, in the, and, and Samuel ministered before the Lord. Wow. Just a little kid. Yeah, he's just a little kid, but he was walking with God. Guess what? Children can walk with God too. They're supposed to. Amen. Boy, that's good stuff. Husbands, you can't walk with God for your wife. Wives, you can't walk with God for your husband. It's an individual thing. I'm not against husbands and wives praying. My wife and I do regularly. But can I tell you something? If the only time you pray is with your, when you're with somebody else, you're not walking with God. You're going to have to walk into the dark clouds to meet God sometimes. Yar. Dad was down sick with COVID. We had to take mom to the hospital. We wheeled her out in the wheelchair to get her to the ambulance. 
the EMTs helped me get her out of the chair into the wheelchair. And she was so wore out. Dad was sick as could be. But my mama looked at her, him and I and my wife and said, I'm just ready to die. I'm ready to go home. I just want to go home. She got her wish 10 days later. She got to go home. Do I miss her? Yeah. But if my walk with God depended on my mama only, then it's been a long two and a half years. Dad was so sick and he said, Craig, I can't do it. I can't talk to the doctors and nurses. I, I, I just can't make these decisions. Will you do it? I said, of course I will. We made one call. I had power of attorney. They contacted me. They never called dad. I ran everything through him and my brother, but every call, including the call to take her off life support. I remember it. I was sitting in my office and I made the phone call. They said, you do realize, I said, I do realize, but it's okay. She's going to a better place. It's going to be all right. I said, don't you worry. I said, I'm a pastor. I've done this many times to help others. It didn't make it any easier. Not at all. I said, don't you feel like you killed her? No, I gave her eternal life. She didn't want to suffer. I heard her say hundreds of times, don't let me on that machine. Don't let me live by a machine. If there's no hope, let me go to heaven. So we did. I obeyed my mama for once. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you've got to go through those dark clouds. But I can't tell you how many people have been helped because of my mama going to heaven. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Do I miss her? Oh, daily. Do we talk about her? Yes. Most of the time it's good. <laughs> we joke. Oh, I walk into the house and still expect to see her head sitting in the chair, but she's not. Those feelings never go away. I used to hear Brother Heil say, you really grow up when your mama dies. He was right. He said, it doesn't matter how old you are, you don't grow up till your mama dies. I understand that. First of all, you've got to realize somebody else can't walk with God for you. Oh, others can pray with you. Don't get me wrong. The preacher can help guide you, and I can pray for you. Yes, I can. I can encourage you. Yes, I can. But I can't walk with God for you. I can't walk with God for my wife. I can't walk with God for my children. Folks, I've had to make tough decisions. Do you think it was easy for me to look at my son one morning about 5 o'clock in the morning and say, you ready to go pastor or what? Knowing in my heart what that meant. The last Monday morning, a week ago tomorrow, 4.30 in the morning, they walked out of my house for the last time. Were you sad? As a daddy, yes and no. Nobody wants their kids to move away. I get that. But it wasn't the first time. But I was proud of them as a dad, too, because they made the right decision for the will of God. There's blessing that goes with it. Is it easy? No. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Everybody doing all right?
So nobody else can walk with God for you. The Hebrews wanted Moses to go to God and talk to God and bring them back what God said. God wanted them to talk to him. Number two, some of the greatest people in the Bible had to go through the darkest hours and the darkest clouds to see God. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, had to be in prison for seven years. Falsely accused of doing something wrong with Potiphar's wife that he did not do. She was the aggressor, not he. He escaped from her. She blamed him for mis, mis, uh, uh, mishandling himself when she was the one guilty. Spends seven years in prison and God says, hang in there. Hang in there. Oh, by the way, God restored Joseph to being second most powerful person in the kingdom of Egypt. Saved his family and saved the Jews. That's why the Jews, almost 500 years later, were still in Egypt because Joseph's brothers came and they went and got his father and brought them to get them through the drought. And the Hebrews stayed there and for 500 years did not go back and obey God. You have Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Did you know that Noah was the first one to find out what a storm cloud was? It had never rained on the earth for 1,700 years. He said, I want you to build a boat. It's going to be a big one. Did you know that Noah was almost 500 miles from the nearest body of water that could float that boat? Can you imagine what the neighbors were talking about? 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. That's a big boat. That's five times the size of this building. And about four stories tall. It's a big one. Then God brings all the animals to him, and he's got to get all those animals in there. <laughs> Somebody had to clean the bottom of that boat. They got in. And all of a sudden, for the first time in world history, a dark cloud came, a storm cloud came, and thunder and lightning. And it began to rain and rain and rain. The Bible says that the depths were broken up and the water came up from the ground. The rain came down until everybody on earth was killed in everything except that which was in the ark, eight people. And the animals. By the way, did you ever notice God didn't save the vegetables? Moses, here in Exodus, had to go into the dark cloud to see God. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had to go into a fiery furnace to see God. Now think about getting thrown into a fiery furnace. Two, three thousand degree temperatures wrapped in woolen clothes and bound and they it was so hot that when they opened the door the people who opened the door of the furnace were killed because it was so hot and they pushed those guys in the fire and the bible says that nebuchadnezzar looked in and he said how many did we put in they said three he said i see four and the fourth is like the son of god hey fellas come on out of there and they walked out loosed and their hair didn't even smell of smoke. 
I want you to notice something. The Bible never says that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego saw Jesus in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar did. They knew somebody was there, but I'm not sure that they saw him. I'm not sure they didn't. But I do know they said, we're going to serve God, and he'll deliver us, but if not, <laughs> we're going to be in heaven, and it'll be all right. Well, God did deliver them, but they had to go through a fiery furnace. You talk about a dark cloud. First Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 13, talk about Elijah. He's in a cave and talks about a, a wind that comes, a boisterous wind. And then the clouds come with the thunder and the lightning. And God wasn't in the wind and he wasn't in the lightning. He wasn't in the fire. The Bible says that he was in the still, small voice. But I want you to notice something. Elijah had to go through the wind and the storm clouds and the lightning and the thunder and the fire to get to the still, small voice. The disciples were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And when a bunch of fishermen start worrying that they're going to sink, you're in a bad storm. You think about these rough, tough fishermen. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and they were scared to death. And here come Jesus walking on the water. He's just walking across the sea, stepping on the waves. Amen? And Peter calls out and says, hey, that's a ghost. And he said, no, it's the Lord. He said, if you're the Lord, then let me get out of this boat and walk out there to you. Now, I hate to tell you something, but I think Peter was stupid. <laughs> you can say what you want. Oh, he jumped out in faith. No, he didn't. He jumped out in stupidity. Uh, that doesn't take faith. Matter of fact, God told him to get in the boat, get in, stay in the boat and get to the other side. He never told him to get out just because it was stormy. He jumped out and walked to Jesus, but notice they had to go through the storm to see him. What about Paul being shipwrecked in the book of Acts? Everybody, they hadn't eaten in, in, in weeks. And God showed Paul that in this storm, this Eurocliden storm, this hurricane, this whatever you want to call it, uh, that they were going to be safe, but they were going to be shipwrecked. And everybody needed to eat, toss everything off, off, not their cookies, but uh, get, get everything off and get ready because the ship was going to break up and they were going to have to swim to shore. But may I say something? Paul got to see God through the storm. Some of the greatest events in the Bible come because somebody was willing to see God through the storms. Why are we so afraid? You say, well, preacher, I might die. Did you realize eternity in heaven's pretty good? It's not so bad. Without the dark storms, we humans would not want or see the need for meeting with God. God wants us to want him enough to go through the storm clouds to meet with him. Do you ever think sometimes God's got to bring the storm just to get our attention? Sometimes the hard times come just to get your attention because you won't give him the attention any other time. Number three, and I'll hurry quickly. God is so great, he won't force his way on anybody. I'll make a statement here. I, as a young man, 
heard a very great man make this statement, I did not understand it like I should have. I do now. Great people don't see their own greatness. Great people, great leaders don't force their leadership. You don't see Jesus going around forcing people to follow him. He just said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And people left their businesses to follow him. He didn't have to grab them and say, look, you need to quit your job, you need to follow me. He said, no, I'm going somewhere, if you want to follow me, come on. Great leaders don't push their way on people. People who are pushy are pushy because they can't lead any other way. I was talking to a young preacher recently. And I said, let me help you with something. Be a shepherd, not a cowboy. He said, what do you mean? I said, lead your people, walk out in front. Don't be a cowboy and drive them. Too many leaders are cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Crack the whip. Let me, let me scare you into going, and let me force you to go where you need to go. No, a shepherd walks out ahead of the sheep. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. That's what Jesus said. And I told the young man, be a shepherd, don't be a cowboy. Don't force people to do things. You'll hear me say often, I'll ask you to do something, and I'll say, no is not a bad answer. And no is not a bad answer. Say why? Uh, just as long as I can ask you again some other time about something else. Sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes you don't have time. Okay, no big deal. What's that called? Leading, not forcing. Everybody doing all right? It reminds me of a story of Henry Ford. Henry Ford was driving down the road one day and saw a young man broken down in a Model T, which was a common occurrence. Model T was broken down on the side of the road. Henry Ford puts up next to him and said, young man, can I help you? Henry was probably in his 60s or so at the time. And the kid got out from underneath the hood. He said, old man, this is, uh, this is a, a fancy piece of machinery. You wouldn't know what to do with this. He said, well, I think I could help you. He said, old man, you couldn't help me. You don't know anything about this. He said, I don't need your help. I'll fix it. He said, okay, and drove on. The very man who designed the vehicle, who could have reached in in a moment, fixed the problem, he pushed him away. Henry Ford didn't say, do you know who I am? The young man found out later who it was and said, oh, boy. Brother Hiles and Dr. John Rice were close friends. They were preaching one day in a conference, and they had an afternoon, and right next to the hotel was a par-3 golf course. Well, Dr. Hiles, Brother Rice, and others, they, they didn't play very often, but they knew at this conference they had a few hours off, and they all wanted to go play golf. They had talked about it at lunch, and Brother Hiles went to Brother Rice's room and knocked on the door and said, Dr. John, Dr. John, we're, a couple of us are going to go play golf next door. Do you want to go play? He said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to play. He said, Brother Rice, I, I know you want to play golf. Brother Rice, would you, what, what, wouldn't you just play golf? Just, uh, oh, no, 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 you go ahead. You don't need me. Brother Hiles said that he moved the wrong way and three golf balls fell out of his pocket on the floor. He said, come on, Dr. John, you come with us. Oh, all right. 
he kind of didn't want to push his way in. I referred to the storm where Jesus walked on the water. Go back into the gospel, in, into Matthew and Mark and Luke and read that story again. You'll see a statement. The Bible says that they were distressed in the storm and Jesus was walking on the water. And this is the statement. And would have passed by. He didn't want to be noticed. If they noticed him, fine. Lord, is that you or is that a ghost? Oh, it's me. And he would have passed by. He didn't walk out to jump in the boat with them. He was just walking across. And he would have passed by. Even our Savior himself did not force himself on the people that he loved most. Why do we force ourselves? Why do we force our way on people? Why is it my way or the highway? No. God wants to be wanted so much that he even brings storm clouds by. Just so he gets the people who really want to spend time with him. May I say something? Those who do brave the storm clouds, it's a second to none experience spending time with God. You're going to have to go through the rain to get to the promise of the rainbow and not the one that the alphabet soup crowd has. A bunch of perverts have ruined the Bible. The storm clouds keep all the gawkers and the fair weather Christians at bay. But can I tell you something? It's worth going up the mountain and into the storm for. We could say then that the clouds don't stop those who are serious inquiries. <laughs> serious inquirers. It's not trust Jesus and all your problems go away. Sometimes the more you trust Jesus, the more problems come your way. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that all your problems go away because you're living right. And in our world, the more right you live, the more in opposition you're going to be. Because fewer and fewer people are living right, and they're all looking at you going the opposite direction, and you're thinking, am I going the right way? Yes, you're going the right way. So, let's not be guilty as the Hebrews were of saying... Moses, you go meet with God and talk with him and tell, him, tell us what he said, but we don't want to talk with God. Oh, no. Take time. Nobody else can do it for you. I can bring you things that he and I talk about to help you, to get you to want to talk with him. But take time to go through the storm clouds. It's okay. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. <clears throat> God never promised to take the storm cloud away. God never promised to prevent the storm cloud. God never said that there would never be a dark cloud in the sky. As a matter of fact, sometimes the darker the cloud and the stronger the storm, the closer to God you've got to get. <laughs>